Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Well, hello there. I'm Rachel, and I'm so glad you are listening in. This podcast is a space of finding clarity and calm as we untangle the messiness of life. I don't know where you are tuning in from today, but no matter your part of the world, I'm honored you stopped by. Thank you. Today, we are chatting about what to do when you just don't know what to do. The big question is, how do you prioritize what is important when everything seems urgent and pressing in? I'm guessing you've been there before. A time when you've had a million and one threads dangling and life didn't stop, did it? It's the classic episode of I Love Lucy in the Chocolate Factory. You know, the one I'm talking about. Lucy and her best friend Ethel decide to work in the Chocolate Factory and they've already been through several positions that didn't bode well. So here they stand at a conveyor belt where their one and only job is to wrap the chocolate, place it back on the belt. Their instructor is quite rigid and says... Even if one piece of chocolate moves through without being wrapped, they are fired. This is their last chance, final opportunity to prove that they can be worthy chocolate factory workers. So the supervisor walks out, flips the switch for the belt to roll, and at first it seems pretty easy. But then Lucy and Ethel start to set the chocolates off the belt to keep them from passing by without a wrapper. And then a few more, and then a few more. (laughs) And before you know it, they start shoving chocolate in their mouths and stuffing them anywhere and everywhere to hide them before the supervisor returns. Needless to say, Lucy doesn't keep her chocolate wrapping job in that episode. I'll put the link to the episode in the show notes in case you're curious. It is pretty funny. But the point is, sometimes the conveyor belt of life flies by too quickly for us to process everything that's being dished out. We have to let some of the chocolates go. We have to let some of them sit on the belt. We have to be okay with watching them pass by. We also have to choose which ones to pass on and which ones to wrap. It sounds pretty simple, isn't it? But the truth is, it's not. Maybe your aging parent's been diagnosed with dementia and you've got some really tough decisions ahead. Is it time to bring mom or dad home to live with the family? Should I quit my job to take care of him or her? If I quit, how will I pay the bills? Or maybe you have a child with a disability and you don't know how to make all the doctor's appointments and stay employed. Or maybe you've received a diagnosis yourself and you're wondering how you can take the prescribed medication and deal with the side effects. I don't know your circumstances or situation, but I know there are thousands of dangling threads in this life. There's an old saying that originally derived in nautical days. Let me tie up the loose ends first. The saying was a reference to making sure that every knot on a boat's sails was tightened and secure before the ship set sail in order to prevent any disasters. So what do you do when it seems like you just can't get them all tightened up in time? The ship, your ship, your life is moving and you're waving your arms on the deck going, wait a minute. I'm not ready yet. I'm still trying to tackle this issue first and you're springing on another one. Stop the boat. But the boat doesn't stop. In Genesis 24, we find the story of a servant named Eleazar who had to make a critical choice. No, it wasn't what shoes to buy or what to make for dinner. His boss, Abraham, sent him to another country to find a wife for his son. 
No pressure, right? I mean, she's only going to be part of the family for generations to come. It's just a little decision. I imagine Eliezer's self-talk sounded something like, how am I supposed to do this? This kind of decision is just too much. However, listen to Genesis 24, 12 to 15. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am sitting by the spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, Please let down your jar, that I may have a drink, and she says, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. In my Bible, I have the phrase underlined, before he had finished praying. You see, God knows the decisions you need to make before you even start to make them. And he knows he's going to provide before you can even finish praying. I'm convinced of this fact right now more than ever, since my husband has been unemployed for the last four months. I've already shared one miraculous provision in another podcast episode, but to expand on that, there have been many, many more. On April 12th this year, a month after Matt was unexpectedly terminated, I began keeping a blessing list in my journal. I told the Lord I was determined to be grateful and determined to believe in Him for provisions. As I'm recording this podcast, there are 16 entries in this blessing list. 16. Isn't that incredible? 16 ways that God has provided for our family that He knew about before we did. I shared one of them with my email subscribers, but I felt led to share the same scenario on this episode of the podcast as well. Someone is listening right now and thinking, I just don't know how to make the choices I need to make because there are not enough resources to go around. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't know which loose end to grab because it's like they just keep falling from the sky. Last month, I was driving alone in our blessed minivan of 14 years, and I was almost home When I heard a noise and then a thump, thump, thump as I was driving, I knew something was in the tire and I turned, it turned out that I'd ran over a huge bolt and it was stuck in the tire. I know this shouldn't be enough to make a person cry, but guys, I didn't have the money to get a new tire. So my mind was racing and I just stopped and told the Lord, God, this is yours. We were headed out of town that weekend to visit family and the tire had to wait until we returned. So once Monday morning arrived and it was time to figure out what to do with this problem, I wrote in my journal, Lord, guide me in the smallest decisions. Shortly after that, I googled the closest tire shop, and I mean the very closest. I called them and they said, yes, bring it in. We will help you. The tire was holding air, so I planned to drive it there. I had no idea where I was going because I'd never been there before, and I followed the GPS even though it was only a mile from our home. I arrived safely, and the service tech came out of the garage, told me he could patch and repair the tire. I don't need a whole new tire right now. I was so thankful for that. But even that, I'm looking at the price board for the repair cost and wondering what the final outcome will really be. After a little while longer, the office manager calls my name and he starts typing in the computer and I stand there waiting for him to give the total cost. He goes over to his printer, picks up the invoice, hands it across the counter to me and says, this one's on us. 
and I just stared at the bottom of the invoice where it was zero dollars. You see, God is in the details. He provides. He knows everything we need before we need it. He's in the smallest decisions of life. His presence is real. And sometimes God uses Google and GPS to guide us. In 2014, I was in a heavy season of juggling many responsibilities God had given to me. I was mom to six kiddos. My husband was finishing up grad school that spring. I was working on my book, One More Step, to be released in October 2015. And my plate was just full, full, full. We had sports and musical instruments and church and school and a special needs staff for Taylor. And I was managing and scheduling and processing the payroll for them. And I just couldn't do everything. I had routines and planners and lists and still there wasn't enough of me to go around. And at that time, I read a book that I couldn't put down titled The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. This book was life-changing for me because it met me right where I was. The subtitle explains it a little more, Making Wise Decisions in the Midst of Endless Demands. One of the statements from the book that caught my attention initially was, Show me a decision and I'll show you a direction. Here's the excerpt. Our decisions aren't just isolated choices. Our decisions point our lives in the directions we're about to head. Show me a decision and I'll show you a direction. And this isn't just a message for high schoolers who have their whole lives ahead of them. It's for each one of us with any part of our lives ahead of us. We've got to get good at chasing down our decisions, see where they will take us, and make sure that's really where we want to go. Think back to Eliezer for a minute. This principle certainly held true for him. He had a decision to make. I mean, he's supposed to make the decision for someone's wife. And the decision could have led him in any direction. But he chose to follow the directions of his master, Abraham, and he immediately sought direction from the Lord. When the demands of life are greater than your power to wisely choose, then running to God in prayer is the best choice. Maybe you're thinking, this woman is a broken record. All she ever says to do is read your Bible and pray. I just know that desperate times don't call for desperate measures. They call for desperate prayers. True heart cries that we lift to our Heavenly Father. The more honest we are before Him, the closer the relationship. The closer we can be to Him, the more direction we glean. This is why I've hosted the monthly Bible reading challenges on my blog for so many years. And beginning August 1st, we will be walking through the Desperate for God, 31 Prayers of Men and Women in the Bible. I'm super excited because this is now available in paperback, and you'll find the link in the show notes. I would encourage you to order it so you're ready to begin on August 1st. But you may have heard me say that I always want prayer to be my first response and not my last resort. The awesome thing about this is God already knows what we need before we need it. I shared a little of Abraham's story from Hebrews 11 in the last podcast episode, Not Every Knot is a Tangle. Abraham's dream was as good as dead so that God's miraculous power could be revealed. If you're having trouble surrendering to the fact that you're trying to tie up the loose ends but God is moving your boat, then be sure to go back and listen to episode 5 of this podcast. But the reason I'm mentioning Abraham now is that there's another phrase about him in Hebrews 11 that 
has always intrigued me. It's verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Did you catch that? Even though he did not know where he was going. I've always taken a lot of comfort in that phrase for two reasons. One, I get lost easily. (laughs) I rely on GPS like no other. Just ask my husband. Actually, don't ask my husband. He'll have a few embarrassing stories to share. But the deeper reason I love that phrase so much is that when Abraham had no clue where he was going, he just stepped out in faith and tried to follow God at the moment. He believed God to be bigger than his needs. He believed God would show him the way. He chose to pack up his family and everything he owned because although he wasn't sure about this unknown land God was telling him to go to, he had no idea where the destination would be. He knew his God was faithful and loving and good. When we have all these dangling threads of life, the loose knots we need to tie up, and there's just not enough time or energy to follow through with every detail, God is there to guide us. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Psalm 16, 7 and 8 says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. In his work, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis discusses the importance of decisions. He says it this way, Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before and taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices all your life long you are slowly turning this central thing into a heaven creature or into a hellish creature either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself or else into one that's in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven. That is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing toward the one state or the other. The enemy is doing his best to thwart your mind that God is good and works all things for your good. These are my words, not C.S. Lewis's. He doesn't want you to believe that God loves you and gave himself for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world. Capitalization matters and that's why the enemy is lowercase. He has no authority in your life. He does not get the final victory. I'm unable to share the details of some things that are happening in our family's life right now as I record this. But imagine your worst nightmares, and that is what our family has been living out for the last few days. I have been second-guessing myself in these moments of crisis. I made one not-so-great decision during this crisis, and I'm wondering if there were more that I made that weren't the best ones for the situation. But even last night, God showed me that He is in full control 
He is guiding me. He is guiding our family. He has already prepared what is needed, and he is protecting us through it all. This prayer is from day three of Desperate for God, and it's a rewording of Eliezer's prayer. Lord, I've watched you bring victory and blessing to others. I've seen you do things that can only be attributed to your power. I'm asking you to do it for me, Father. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure this thing out, and I need you. Show me the way. Give me wisdom and discernment. Give me evidence to know the next right step. I need your guidance and direction now. Let your kindness fall on me so that others may see it and benefit. I give you the honor and praise. Amen. As Lisa Turker shares in The Best Yes, there is no perfect decision, only the perfectly surrendered decision to press through our fears and know that God is working in us to bring about the good through us. And that, my friend, is today's thread of hope. Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. This week on my desk, I'm sharing The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst, Making Wise Decisions in the Midst of Endless Demands. And secondly, Desperate for God, 31 Prayers of Men and Women in the Bible. It's a Bible reading plan and journal available as a digital download. You can print it at home or mark up on your device and also now available in paperback. Also on my desk this week, though not mentioned in the podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. This is by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Y'all, I devoured half this book the other night. It is just so intriguing and so good. And as always, my very favorite, on my desk, large print, purple, leather bound, NIV Bible. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.